Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 59 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. Well, you and I are made to be impressive, but too often it seems we seek approval for all the wrong reasons. We're going to talk about how to beat the need for approval in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast. With your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to episode 59. I, I'm the first one, Larry Gates. <laughs> and Armin Asadi here. Armin Asadi is the second one mentioned by Jim. <laughs> hey, Armin, how are you? Good, Larry. How are you doing? Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to this episode, actually. Looking forward to it since we decided to do this a couple of weeks ago. Oh, man. As soon as you said it, it hit home. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I just need to listen to this. <laughs> well, all right. So before we get into the show, we want to just tell you why you're here. If you're listening to the show at all, we hope you're listening because you want to know what's next in life for yourself. And the purpose of Reinventure Me is to help you discover new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the venture God's called you to. That's why we call this the Reinventure Me podcast. And you'll find all the show notes at reinventure.me slash five nine. So that's kind of all the preliminaries. <laughs> well, we could dive right in, just go right to the inspiration. Let's do it. All because right. I like Cutting it short and just getting it sweet. Oh, I'm all about that. Okay, so this is the quote that Larry read about a week ago, and it hit home. It hit my heart, mind, body, and soul all at the same time. <laughs> I think it hit both of us at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, oh my gosh, we got to do something on this. So this is a quote by Mark Twain, and it says, the worst loneliness is to not be comfortable with yourself. I'll say it one more time. The worst loneliness is to not be comfortable with yourself. Oh, man. Oh my gosh. I heard that. I was like, I can't believe how true that is. I've never been able to be feel comfortable in my own skin. Really? Because, well, I've never been comfortable with who I was. Mm. And this is why when I heard that, I thought, oh my gosh, I've never really started that process until I actually engaged with a God, right? And yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, God is real. And yeah. that, it, that changed it, everything. It did. Yeah. yeah. And then even then, so you're still sometimes, I know... This hit me because this idea of the worst loneliness is when you are not comfortable with who you are, Yeah, you just get confused, you feel out of place, yep. you don't know who to be, you don't know whether you're somebody that others even want to be around, Yeah, and it can leave you feeling like you're just misplaced, yeah. like you don't belong. Right. So completely unnecessary information for anybody who's listening so sorry but i felt that for all my life i grew up in iran and i mean we weren't just outcasts we were persecuted so they were mm -hmm. trying to kill my family literally trying to execute my parents and me and my brother and sister because we were the wrong religion then we escaped the country going to pakistan now we were the wrong culture 
right? Because we were, we were Persians, not mm-hmm. Pakistani. Mm-hmm. And then we leave Pakistan, come to America, and I go to the, you know, in the projects of Minneapolis. Now, I'm the only Middle Eastern. It's not I'm the wrong kind of Middle Eastern. I'm just the only Middle Eastern there, right? Mm-hmm. And then I leave the hood kind of of Minneapolis, and I go to White Bear Lake, which is suburbia. <laughs> now, I'm the wrong culture because I have this kind of urban background, not suburban background. Mm-hmm. No matter where I've been, I've always felt like I was the wrong type of person. You've been a misfit wherever you've gone. Everywhere. <laughs> so I've always been that guy who was always questioned myself like, is there something innately wrong with who I am? Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to get acceptance, mm-hmm. right? And yep. because of that, I have always been uncomfortable with myself yep. where I've had to try to create my own culture. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think all of us have this notion at times where we feel like we're not sure whether we really belong mm-hmm. and and we long to belong. And I think it, especially like in the corporate world, I know that there were times when I really wanted to be in the top echelon of leadership, you know, right. you knew who the power brokers were. Right. <laughs> and right. it was always like a ring or two just removed, you right. know? Right. And I could always tell that if there are five objects and one of them is not like the others, it was always me <laughs> that was not like the others. <laughs> you know? True. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we got to talk about why this is important to talk yeah. about, right? Let's do that. And I think we're all wired to impress others, you know, almost from our very beginning. You know, a child looks for ways to get approval from its parents Mm -hmm. to know that, hey, I'm doing things right. I'm fitting in. It's almost this innate thing that you just long for and seek out approval from those that matter the most to you. And we grow up with that. Yeah. I mean, you can't help it. No, I think it's part of our kind of social wiring. Right. Is to seek how we fit in and how we belong. Mm -hmm. And that's all because we have a strong need for community. Oh, absolutely. And that's what creates community is this sense of belonging. And belonging is part of this approval process. Right on. The challenge is, is that if we're not self-aware enough, our longing for approval can drive us to do things that are not in keeping with the gifting that we have. Hmm. And then we find ourselves doing things that we shouldn't be doing because it's not really the way we're wired to do. And then we're living a life less than the life that we're supposed to be. And that creates dissonance, which makes us feel uncomfortable about ourselves because we know we're not fully alive to who we're supposed to be. We're just living for something that we have an irresistible draw to get approval from someone else. And we can't help ourselves because it makes us feel good. But then we feel bad for wanting to feel good (laughs) (laughs) by somebody else's approval, right? Right, absolutely. So I think that's maybe why Mark Twain was saying that's the worst kind of loneliness. Because in some ways, you can't really tell anybody about it. Because the people you want the most approval from are the ones that you probably don't feel most comfortable talking to them about it. It's so true. I mean, (laughs) my life has been that. So it's just hard for me to disagree with that in any way. Yeah. Well, you know, back in episode four, when we talked about mindset, we're going to talk about that a little bit here mm-hmm. in this episode because you really can't avoid it. But it's true. I did share a story when I was back in college, and I consider it of my 55 years of life, it was the dumbest thing I ever did. And that was to spend a good five years of my life at that time intensely trying to prove to people that I was smart. You know, and that's how it got me into my degree in physics. And it was right. just, you know, we talked about this back in that episode. Yeah. And I was so driven by this need to get approval from other people to tell me that I was smart, mm-hmm. that I did all the stuff that I thought would gain that approval rather than do what I was wired to do. Mm-hmm. 
And if I could go back and take those years back, mm-hmm. I mean, I would do that. Of course, I probably would lose a lot of learning in the process. <laughs> but it just seems like, for me, it's an irony that the dumbest thing I've ever done was try to show people that I was smart. You know, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, my family's always been like that. Is you're respected based on the level of intelligence that you have, the type of degree that you have. You have to be some kind of engineer of the craziest kind or doctor of the craziest kind. I've never liked either. Mm-hmm. You know, and by me not going down that path, it was kind of like trying to be what I wanted to be, but constantly trying to say, hey, no, no, I'm still smart. I'm not ignorant just right. because I'm not a doctor or an engineer. Right. And I hated my life. Right. Just, I couldn't be me, fully me. Well, and I think that this is not an uncommon thing. I think many of us feel like there's a part of our lives where we just don't like that part of our lives because we're not sure who we really are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of this need for approval thing. Yeah. (laughs) So we should probably talk about what are some of the symptoms of approval anxiety. Before we even dive into that, I think we should just do an episode on emotional intelligence. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, because we always talk about this one key component that comes up all the time, which is Mm self-awareness. And that self-awareness is such a key to even this topic of knowing who you are, what you want, what your desires are, what the desires of your heart are what you like, what you don't like, whatever that might be, you know, what emotionally gets you to react positively, negatively, all that stuff. And I think this topic of talking about the symptoms of approval anxiety is a good way of analyzing some form of self-awareness. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we we haven't touched on that directly with respect to like talking about emotional intelligence in that way. We have you know, of course, talked about journaling and how Mm -hmm. that helps bring out self-awareness and sort of those tools that we've talked about. But I think, yeah, you're right. We're due for an episode just on on that. (laughs) Naturally. (laughs) So, I mean, what do you think on these symptoms? What would you say is some of your top picks? Well, you know, I just think about this from my own experience, right? So there's probably, mileage is going to vary for everybody, but some of the things that I found were like, if I get really deeply disappointed when somebody doesn't respond favorably to something that I do. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I put myself out there in some way, you know, like I might give a talk and if nobody comes up afterwards, yeah, if I don't get anything, yeah. Uh, now I've learned that, you know, that's just generally people are just oblivious to that. Yeah. But when I first started public speaking, I was like craving people to come up and just give me attaboys. Yeah. Because how else are you supposed to know if it was good or bad? Well, no, for me, it wasn't whether it was good or bad. It was whether I was good or bad. You better said, yeah. See, because it was about me needing yep. approval. Did I gain your approval enough that you'd come up and say, mm. hey, that was good? Right. I wasn't almost so concerned about okay. the content yeah. or the delivery. Right. It was whether I was being seen as acceptable. Wow. You know, that's kind of at the heart of it. Yeah. And then another symptom for me was when I'd get evaluation forms back. Oh. You know, after these talks. Yeah. And I would gloss over nine great evaluations and focus on the one that had some little inane thing that was critical. And pretty soon, I forget that there were nine praises. It's the one ding Mm -hmm. that drew all my attention. Yep. You know, so that's another symptom. When I focus more on the ding than I focus on the praise that I get then it's telling me, ooh, it's a sign of perfection, but perfectionism is another form of seeking approval. Hmm. 
And I love, we might have shared this before, I just love this quote. It's been a quote that I've told myself time and time again when I get into these situations, either seeking praise or responding to criticism, and it's this. Freedom is facing up criticism and praise and having the same reaction to both. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a solid quote. Yeah, it's just this. It doesn't matter whether it's criticism or praise, hmm. I'm going to respond equally to both. I'm going to learn something from both. I'm going to just embrace both yeah. equally. Huh. That's really freedom. You know, I it's remember, hard to get there. It is. It is. I remember one of the first time I did any kind of like spiritual type speaking message, sermon, whatever you want to call it, and I hated the way I did it. I absolutely because it wasn't me. I didn't get passionate. I focused so much on content or whatever. And I remember a pastor came up to me who was kind of mentoring me through the process. He came up to me and he knew, he knew I hated everything about what just happened. Mm. And he walked up to me. He goes, Armin, do you remember that time I told you be careful not to take credit for the things that God does? Mm. I said, yeah. He said, do you know the other side of it I forgot to tell you? He said, the reason you never take credit for what God does is because when you start doing that, the other side of it is you start blaming yourself when things don't go good. Because mm-hmm. when things go good, it's easy to take credit. Yes. But when things go bad or don't go the way that you want, it's really hard to take the blame. Mm-hmm. So when you stand in that position or you stand on that platform again, just give it to God and let it stay there. Yeah, either way. Yep. Either way. And I was like, oh, man. Yep. Where were you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 25 minutes ago before I got on that stage. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to jump off the cliff, yeah. but not so much anymore. Right. Thank you. Right, right. <laughs> so what else do you got on the symptom side? Another symptom is if you feel trapped doing something you're not good at. And I found myself this way. I tend to think, boy, I'm really loyal. I want to really help this person out. I'm going to keep doing this. But I realize inside that loyalty is not so much loyalty as wanting them to give me praise and approval for sticking with it. Mm -hmm. And then I realize I'm being dishonest to myself. I'm being dishonest to who I am and what I'm here to do when I'm only doing it in order for them to feel good about me. Right. And then that's just this idea of having approval anxiety. Mm. This is another one that I've found myself trying a lot is trying to impress important people. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, you meet a celebrity or you meet somebody who you think uh, is pretty important to maybe uh, superior in your business or whatever. And you like you're doing things that you wouldn't naturally do <laughs> <laughs> because you want to get noticed. Right. Hey, look you know? at me. Look at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask, what do you do? But I don't want to know. Let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, one of the hardest ones is really getting to this place where you're willing to give people permission to speak honestly about your life. Mm. And so when you avoid those situations, when you avoid the accountability that might come from somebody saying, hey, I've got an honest word for you about some things that I see, some blind spots in your life. When you avoid having those kinds of conversations, it could just be a symptom of your approval anxiety that you you only want to hear approval messages. Mm. You're not willing to respond and learn from other messages that might be important for you to learn from. Yeah, it's usually a lot of the evolutionary process begins is right there. Yeah, well, it's all that saying, don't ask a question you don't want the answer to. You know, <laughs> and so many of us don't want the real answers, right? Nope, not when it's a growth opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Because it becomes painful. Yeah. So I guess the thing that's the more important side of things to me is not necessarily what we just talked about. It's more on the how-to side. So how do you beat this need for approval? Yeah, so if any of those symptoms apply to you, then... 
maybe there's some things that majority uh, that, do. that we can that we can do. First one we talked about just a few minutes ago is to develop a growth mindset. And yep. I don't know how many episodes we've had, Armin, where we keep going back to episode Probably number four. <laughs> <laughs> but episode four, we talked about having a growth mindset from Carol Dweck's book, uh, Mindset, which is just an excellent read. But she talks about two different kinds of mindset, a growth mindset, which basically says, I am in a position to always learn and grow, and a fixed mindset, which says, I have to prove my capability for where I'm at right now. So the fixed mindset always needs validation. Hmm. It always needs someone to say, you're great. You're super. In my case, you're smart. That was what I was looking for. Hmm. And that was a fixed mindset. And instead of saying, I'm no good at this, which is often what I've said in my internal dialogue. And that's how you know if you've got a fixed mindset, if you say, oh, I'm no good at this. Instead say, I'm learning to do this. Hmm. When you can give your affirmation about your growth rather than affirmation about your limitations. And that's the big difference. If you find yourself saying words that are self-limiting rather than words that are about your growth, then it's likely you're operating more from a fixed mindset than a growth mindset. What a paradigm shift though, right? Mm -hmm. When you start looking at something that you're not good at as something that I'm progressing on, something that I'm learning, something that I'm adding to my tool belt rather than saying well, I'm no good at this, so why try? Yeah. When I first learned to dance with Anna, you know, we took ballroom dancing lessons. Yeah. I mean, I was no good at it, Yeah. right? But it saying that to myself was not helpful because right. it was only stating a condition from which it seemed like there was no way to improve. Yeah. But to say, hey, I'm learning this, Yeah. right? I'm not great at it right now, but I'm going to get better, and the next week I'll get better still. Yeah. And that is growth mindset rather than just saying, oh, forget it. I'm not good at it. And that's why I think a lot of people give up at things. Yeah. I think one stirs the desire to learn, one stops the desire to grow, right? So Uh you got one that says, oh, heck yeah. All right, let's do this. I'm going to fall. I'm going to trip. I'm going to break my nose, but I don't care because at the end of this, I'm going to be a phenomenal dancer. I'm going to build this relationship with my wife. That's going to be amazing, whatever. Right. But the person that says I can't, so why should I? And You'll never even attempt it. Yeah, well, face it. If you're trying to impress other people because you want their approval, then nothing short of perfection will do. Right. It's true. When it's about you, yeah, you know where you are, and anything beyond that is success. Yeah. So that's huge. Yeah. So what else? Well, I don't think we can ever get rid of an audience. You know, we're, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be watching what we do. Yeah. So the second thing is just really choose the right audience for your stuff, mm. for your work. It's true. Yeah. You know, God has been called the audience of one. And mm. just have that reminder that we play to an audience of one. Mm. And I love what Oz Guinness wrote in his book, The Call. He said these words, It is easy to buck a crowd, not too hard to march to a different drummer, but it is truly difficult, perhaps impossible, to march only to your own drumbeat. Most of us, whether we are aware of it or not, do things with an eye to the approval of some audience or other. The question is not whether we have an audience, but which audience we have. Oh, wow. And I think that that's really very true. Hmm. We can't not play to an audience, but if we're playing to the approval of God rather than playing to the approval of people, Hmm. it's huge. Yeah. I like to make a distinction between validation and affirmation. Okay. See, affirmation is not a problem. We all need affirmation because affirmation informs us about what our gifting is, informs us of what we're good at, informs us of the contributions that we can make to improve other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Hey, you're good at this. That's a good affirmation. 
affirmations are good. But when we seek affirmation in order to say, I'm good, then Mm -hmm. it becomes validation. Mm -hmm. And validation only comes from God. He's the only one that validates. And because he made you, that's validation enough. Because Mm -hmm. you're here for a purpose, he made you. You don't need any other validation than that. Yeah. That's so good. (laughs) It's right on. I mean, there's one side that you know you are affirmed. And then there's the other side where you go to people looking for some type of affirmation. And I love the fact that you can just go to God and know that you are affirmed in the way that you are made, in the identity that you have, in the call that you have, in the giftings that you have been given. Yep. I love that you point to that. Yeah. And so many of us are seeking the approval of others. Yeah. You know, Brene Brown said this. I listened to a talk from her the other day, and she said, it's a long walk from what other people think to I am enough. I just think that that's really spot <laughs> that's on. Right on. You know, yeah. what other people think occupies our minds so much. Mm-hmm. And Tim Ferriss reminds us, you know, don't spend so much time worrying about what other people think about you because they don't do it that often anyway. You know? <laughs> so true. <laughs> we're all thinking about ourselves. Yeah. And we're all thinking about, you know, what do you think of me? Right? Yeah. It's that old story of two people talking over lunch and then one says to the other, you know, I've spent all this time talking about me. Let me ask you, what do you think of me? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, it's so much self-directed that way. Yeah. And so we spend time thinking about so much about what other people think of us. They don't do it that often anyway, as Tim Ferriss points out. And as Brene Brown says, that's not the right journey. The right. journey is I'm enough. Yeah. I'm enough with just who I am. And if God made me, then that's good. You know how often we spend time trying to impress others and before you know it, they're not even in your lives. You don't even think about that person anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think about that person and that person is the someone you were trying to impress, think about how little they think oh, about Oh, yeah, you. right. The people we're trying to impress think about us far less than we think, we think about, about them. them. <laughs> yeah, it's in and out. And we oh, spend yeah. our life wasting it trying to figure out how these people are thinking about that or change that rather than just being the best we can be for ourselves. Exactly right. Right on. I love that. So what else do you got? Well, you know, I was listening to another sage, uh, Parker Palmer, and he said something that I just thought was absolutely brilliant, and it was so incisive. He says there's two essential disciplines of the heart that we need to practice. Mm. Chutzpah and humility. What is chutzpah? Chutzpah is this courage, courage Uh, to act. It's courage to speak out. It's brazenness. Okay, so like being bold. Being bold. Okay. And chutzpah reminds us that we have something to offer. Hmm. And I think sometimes we are so long for the approval of others that we don't put ourselves out there because we're afraid to get disapproval. Right. So we lack in chutzpah. Yeah. Right? And then the other side of that, of course, the other practice is to balance it with humility. Because not only do we have something to offer, that's chutzpah, but we also have something to learn, and that's humility. Yeah. And when we stop thinking we've got something to learn, then we've no longer been humble. Yeah, right on. So I think those are really good practices to help offset this need for approval for others. It's just to say, hey, I am how God's made me to be, and what I have to offer is valuable, mm-hmm. regardless of whether the people I'm trying to impress or might think I'm trying to impress feel about it. Yeah. It's me. And this is what I've been given, and it's my responsibility. In fact, it's a trust that I've been given by God. I need to put it out there, yeah, regardless of how it's received. Hmm. And then I need to learn from that, and that's the humility side of it. Yeah. 
And if you're somebody out there who constantly gets rejected in the ideas or whatever it is that you're about yourself that you're trying to offer to someone else and it constantly gets rejected, just know that it's maybe not you lacking having something to offer. Maybe it's the other person lacking that other side of things, which is the humility, Mm. which is someone who carries so much arrogance that they're convinced that everything they think of is better than whatever you think of. Mm -hmm. And it's not because you lack something. It's maybe more on the side that the other person lacks something and that something could just be simple humility. Mm -hmm. Has that been there? And the only way I remember having that leader accept anything I said was always to convince him it was his idea first. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I realized, oh, it's not the idea that sucks. You just don't like it because it's not your idea. That's right. So anyway, side note, what else? What's the final piece you got? Well, it's not the last one. I've got one more after this, but I think that we evaluate your roundtable. And what I mean by that is we all have people that are important to us and whose opinions matter to us. Mm -hmm. And we subconsciously put them into a round table, kind of like a Knights of the Round Table. They're the voices inside our head that yeah. we may not be conscious of that inform our opinion about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we try to live up to the expectation of people that are most important to us. Yeah. And those opinions are what drive us. And I love what Philip Yancey wrote in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. He said, sociologists have a theory of the looking glass self. You become what the most important person in your life, wife, father, boss, etc., thinks you are. Hmm. How would my life change if I truly believed the Bible's astounding word about God's love for me, if I looked in the mirror and saw what God sees? Hmm. So this idea of a looking glass self is that we start to become the voices inside of our head of those people that are most important to us, Hmm. and that informs what we start to do, and it isn't necessarily what we ought to do. Hmm. It's just the opinions that we think other people have that are driving us. I love that. I think that's what I love about my wife is she calls out the best in me. Even Hmm. when I'm failing, even when I'm not good enough, she calls out the best in me and it makes me a better person. I think that's so crucial. I love that quote. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What's what's Yeah, Pope Pope Bronson had said, uh, am I the person that I think I am if nobody is there to tell me who I am? (laughs) I think that's a really interesting way to think about it you know that Mm. we need people to inform us about our lives but are we taking our soul direction Mm -hmm. from what we learn from them so the last one is kind of a practical thing from a perspective of a lot of what we were talking about is kind of inside our head Uh, this one's kind of outside of our head and that is to cultivate an affirmation team Mm. get people around you who can give you positive affirmation and speak honestly in your life but you know that love you and support you because we're meant to be in community yeah And if we really want to break this cycle of approval for others, then find a team that already approves you. You don't need to gain anything from them, but you're getting feedback on the very thing that you're good at so that you can get affirmation. That's an okay thing to have, but you don't need them to get validation. That's true. And that's a key difference. Yeah. That group of people, man, that's a life changer. Those people who speak life to you. Yes help you become a better version of you and he'll call you out at the same time. That's right. When you're doing something really stupid. Yeah. You don't need to have people who are impressed by you, yeah. but people will just love you and speak honestly about what they see in your life and help you learn how to develop that growth mindset for yourself. Right on. Yeah. So, all right, what's the takeaway challenge? You know, there's plenty here. There's five ideas that you could choose from to adopt a growth mindset, to choose the right audience for your work, to practice chutzpah and humility to evaluate your roundtable and to create an affirmation support team. Any one of those, pick one and think about how you could implement that this week. I mean, how you could truly do it. 
Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times we'll, we'll listen to this podcast or we'll read a blog post or we'll get inspired by something that we read somewhere and, and we don't set an action plan in place to do it. So think about one of those and decide how you're going to implement that this week. So that's the challenge I would have. Right on. I love it. My go-to is always going to be the people because that does more for me than anything mm-hmm. else. So I'm going to build my round table for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed this show, make sure to check out our show notes at reinventure.me backslash 59. Wow, we're almost 60. Yeah, we are. That's crazy. <laughs> and again, if you did like this show, would you just do us a favor? Leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and tell your friends. Again, you can find us at reinventure.me backslash iTunes or reinventure.me backslash Stitcher. And if you'd like, leave a question or a comment on reinventure.me or give us a call at 612-314-5447 or otherwise feel free join our discussion on facebook at facebook.com backslash reinventure me you know i will say armin that it's been fun to get emails from our listeners about oh, yeah. show topics and the last few topics we have picked because of those emails that we've gotten it and, is and also true. if you haven't been out on our facebook page we do post a video a teaser for what comes <laughs> in each of the episodes. And we try to, have a little, we try to have a little fun with that. But this last time, we also posted a little bit of Armin's... Nope, we didn't. Armin the Dream. Nope. There's nothing <laughs> video to see, de- people. Video, music video debut, no. so you don't want to miss that on no, our you Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't go see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Larry Gates. And, and Armin Asadi. And we are saying so long. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.